This week, we're going to tackle the topic of magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI. This is probably one of the least understood and most feared topics in the primary FRCA, but we'll try to go over the basic principles in as much detail as you need to know. We'll cover how it works, the different images that can be produced, and some of the safety aspects of managing a patient in an MRI scanner. The basic physical principle underlying the MRI is nuclear magnetism. This is a fundamental property of the nuclei of certain atoms. Atomic nuclei are generally made up of protons and neutrons. Atoms with an odd number of either protons or neutrons display a property that physicists call spin. The main atoms that we're interested in with MRI are hydrogen atoms, whose nuclei are made up of just one proton and therefore have spin. This spinning of the positively charged proton creates a magnetic field that essentially makes the nucleus act like a tiny bar magnet. You can imagine this as each atom acting like a tiny little magnetic compass, with the arrow pointing in the direction of its magnetic field. Now, if you put a real compass next to a stronger magnet, it'll tend to align with the magnetic field lines of that stronger magnet. That's why compasses point to a magnetic north, they align with the Earth's magnetic field. This phenomenon of lining up also happens with hydrogen atoms in the tissues of the body. Normally, the atoms point in random directions, as they're mostly influenced by the internal kinetic energies of the tissues at body temperature. To overcome this, an MRI scanner produces an extremely strong magnetic field, around 1.5 to 3 tesla, or about 100 times that of the Earth's magnetic field. To produce a field this strong, the scanner uses an electromagnet. This is created using a metal that is cooled so much that it becomes a superconductor. This is achieved using liquid helium. So, how does this nuclear magnetism allow us to create MRI images? Well, firstly, the MRI applies a strong magnetic field, let's say pointing upwards. So all of the hydrogen atoms in all of the tissues of the body start to point upwards as well. These atoms can be stimulated by blasting them with radio waves. Now, radio waves are actually just part of the electromagnetic spectrum, so they can also be thought of as photons. This stimulation causes them to flip their position and point directly opposite to the magnetic field. So in this case, down. The reason they do this is due to things called electromagnetic precession and the Lamour frequency. You can read about these if you want to, but you don't really need to know much about them in order to understand the basics. Once all the protons are pointing down, the stimulation is stopped, and they start to flip back to the up direction, as this is a more relaxed state for them. When they do this, they emit photons, again in the radio wave part of the spectrum. The MRI has sensors that can detect these photons in all three axes. The time it takes for the hydrogen atoms to relax and emit photons is dependent on the chemicals that they're a part of, so different tissues have different relaxation times. This is where the T1 and T2 weighting comes in. T1 relaxation can be thought of the time it takes for the atoms to return to their original up position. T2 relaxation is slightly harder to explain, but it's essentially a different type of relaxation called transverse relaxation. The MRI can be made to detect T1 or T2 images by altering the frequency and pattern of the radio frequency stimulation. There are actually many more different types of images that can be created with MRI by altering the stimulation profile. This is why MRIs take so much longer than CT scans, 
Each type of waiting requires a new scanning sequence, and each sequence is dependent on relaxation, which takes time. As for the images, T1 images are weighted so that fat appears white and water appears dark. T2 images have bright water and dark fat, so T2 images are especially good at finding things like tumours with surrounding edema. Because the detectors receive information in three directions, they can be used to create 3D images, but these are usually presented as stacks of 2D slices on our imaging software. Great. That was a very brief overview of the physics behind an MRI scanner. Don't worry if you didn't understand it first time round. It can be really hard to grasp. But a quick summary would be something like Atoms display nuclear magnetism, which makes them behave like tiny magnets. These align themselves up with a strong magnetic field in an MRI scanner. Radio frequency pulses are used to stimulate the atoms, and this makes them point in the opposite direction, or down. The time it takes for them to return to their original up direction is called the relaxation time. This is different for each chemical in the body. The MRI measures relaxation times in three dimensions, so it can build up images for us. There are different types of relaxation times, such as T1 and T2. T1 has dark water and light fat, and T2 has light water and dark fat. Now let's move on to the clinical practicalities of patients in MRI scanners. These can be broken down into equipment issues, quenching, and patient considerations. Firstly, equipment. The one thing to remember is that an MRI magnet is always on. It never gets turned off, even between scans and even overnight. This has implications for safety. All ferromagnetic material, including keys and your bleep, are strongly attracted to the magnet. A medical gas cylinder can be attracted with enough force that it can crush a human skull quite easily. So everything needs to be deemed safe for MRI. That includes beds, the anaesthetic machine, and the monitoring. It is especially important to remember this when presented with an arresting patient in the scanner. The safest thing to do is to remove them from the scanning room and resuscitate them outside. This is because the defibrillator and most arrest trolleys are not MRI safe. The magnet also has implications for the functioning of equipment. Most monitoring equipment needs to be adequately shielded to be able to function in an MRI scanner. Crossing cables can also have currents induced that cause them to heat up and cause burns to our patients. This can even happen in a patient's own skin as it can act as an electrical conductor. So foam pads are placed between limbs to prevent this. Implantable pacemakers and defibrillators are generally contraindicated in MRI scanners, as the sensors cease to function and the induced current can cause damage to cardiac tissues. Secondly, quenching. As I said before, the magnet is almost never turned off. But if there is an absolute emergency, such as a patient being pinned to the scanner by a bed or gas cylinder, it can be shut off. This involves a process called quenching, where all the liquid helium that keeps the magnet cooled is boiled off. This is an extremely violent event and can be quite loud. It also essentially knocks the scanner offline for a couple days whilst the magnet can be brought back into working order. Finally, patient considerations. MRIs are extremely loud. The sound of the cycling of the radio frequency coils can be as loud as 100 decibels, so patients are usually given ear protection This is especially important to remember when bringing an anaesthetized patient to the scan. Even though they're asleep, 
their ears can still be damaged by this loud sound. Access to your patient is also extremely limited, so it is important to ensure that all monitoring and tubing is appropriately positioned before the scan starts. It is also important to remember that your patient should also be MRI safe. So they tend to go through a checklist to rule out the possibility of metal foreign bodies, especially in the eyes. All piercings also need to be removed or induced currents can cause burns. There is also some anecdotal evidence that says older tattoos with ferrous ink can sometimes heat up during MRI scans and cause burns. Well, that's it for this episode. Today you've covered the beast of a topic that is MRI. Hopefully now you've got a better understanding of the physical principles behind the MRI, as well as some practical considerations to think about when dealing with patients in the scanner. Thanks so much for listening. If you've liked this episode, please feel free to subscribe through your podcast player of choice. You can also find all of these episodes online at planaprimary.co.uk. Remember, this entire series is going to be published absolutely free, so please share this with anyone who you think might find it useful. If you've got any questions, feedback, or just want to request a topic, feel free to email me at questions at planaprimary.co.uk, or you can leave a comment by this episode online.